and responding to him. That is our number one priority. It's where it all starts. It's where we spend the majority of our time. If you've been with us for any amount of time, you'll realize that the majority of what we do is to tell you about God's great love. To express it in the gospel story. And then to to leave that with you to respond to and to live out in your daily life. Last week, I gave you what I called a preparation for our new series. It wasn't an introduction as much as uh, a preparation. We looked at Matthew 8 and we saw the would-be followers of Christ in the boat with Jesus and Jesus asleep. You remember? And uh, as the storms came, as trouble arose, as the waves pounded on that ship of fishermen, mind you, they found themselves running in fear to Jesus And my challenge to our church last week in preparation for this series, not even an introduction, but just in preparation for this series, is that as we move into this new phase of the life of our church, you know, we move really out of our infancy into our toddler phase, if you will, that we would have a spirit among us that as we look back on what God has done in our infancy, we would see that he's been completely faithful And because he has been completely faithful, we can trust him so that now when waves crash and when winds blow as a church and as individuals and as your individual families sense those waves or those winds, we would not be like the disciples in Matthew 8 who ran to Jesus out of fear. But we would run to him in what he what he had hoped they had. Remember what he said? You men of little faith. My challenge to us last week is that we would be a church that would that would run to the Jesus who we're on board with in faith, not in fear. In faith, not in fear, trusting based on what he's already done. He's he's proved himself to us over and over and over that he is faithful and we can trust him. And so as we move forward into whatever this this new season of life holds for our church and as we talk about this this re-envisioning series as we remind ourselves why we're here and what we're doing and uh, even even to some extent why we don't do some things. We move forward in that in that series in faith, not in fear, trusting that God will be faithful as we are faithful. And you know what? Even as we are unfaithful, he continues and remains to be faithful. So that was our preparation. And we spent a lot of time in prayer. And I asked you guys to come up here in prayer. I, I thank you. I, uh, I thoroughly enjoyed hearing your heart for this church. I, I enjoyed this past week in my life group. I hope you are in a life group discussing these things, discussing with uh, five men uh, the direction of our church and hearing their heart for our church. Uh, it just it strengthened me. I left I left my life group. I left my life group loving God more. And loving our church more. And uh, I told I, I texted the guys when I got home and uh, I told them, I said, you know, it's it's odd because one of them said on the way out of life group, one of them said, I wonder what I wonder what a pastor thinks when he leaves a discussion like this with with lay people. You know, does he call the worship leader and say, listen to what these guys said. And uh, that stuck with me on my drive home. And um, I realized that what had happened, what I was thinking was. I love my God more 
based on the discussions we had, I mean, those guys challenged each other and we and we and we searched for what God would have for our church together. And we and we waded through some some tough questions. And at the end of it, I felt <laughs> I felt, God, you're you're good. And I, I prayed for those men. I prayed for our church as I left. And as I was pulling into my neighborhood, uh, it was it was very interesting. And if you if you if you know our purpose already, it, you, you see some of the correlation here where I'm going. As I pulled into our neighborhood, um, I found myself praying at 1030 at night. I think it was Eric. By the time we get out of your house late, it was late. man. It was late. Uh, yeah, it was good. I found myself pulling in the neighborhood, praying that my neighbor would be sitting on his front porch in his rocking chair. It's not something he normally does, but I just prayed. Let let that guy be out there because I want to give him the, I want to give him the whole the whole shebang. I want to give him the, the good news and the bad news. Um, and it all started. It all started with some men focused on God, some men focused on God. That's that's where we're going. That's what our that's what our purpose is about. It starts in Christ. It ends in Christ all throughout our purpose. It is continually about Christ and that which Christ loves and adores and that which Christ died for. Last week was preparation. This week, I'll give you an introduction. Our series verse, our theme verse is Proverbs twenty nine. 18, the New American Standard reads this way, where there is no vision, literally revelation being from God. People are unrestrained, unrestrained. Some of your translations may say perishing. Literally, the Hebrew is unrestrained, meaning they're just running amok. They're willy nilly. They have no direction. But happy is he who keeps the law. Happy is he who keeps the law. Put the slide up there, Jason, that gives the message translation of Proverbs Twenty nine, eighteen. Uh, the message is more of an interpretation than it is a translation. I like I like its rendering here to help us to understand what Proverbs twenty nine, eighteen is conveying. It says, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what He reveals, they are most blessed. When they attend to what He reveals. They are most blessed. Uh, when we first started this church in the school, we were meeting on Sunday nights. I think it was every other Sunday night. And the very first thing we did was commit ourselves to what is it that what is it that God is doing and what is it in his local body that he would have us to do so that we can attend to it and be most blessed. Right. And um, that basic question shaped our purpose. It shaped what we have now as our purpose statement. And we have done everything we've done based on it. And we continue to do that. I mentioned just a moment ago that the, the title of this series is re-envisioning. It's not revamping. It's not an adjustment. It's not a change. It's not a maybe we can figure it out better now. It's a recasting. It's a reminding so much. And that's not a bad thing, right? Scripture gives us um, several occasions where we are to be reminded of things. The Lord's Supper itself. Christ said, do this in remembrance of me. We as humans, we need to be reminded, don't we? We need to be reminded. Four years now into the infancy of our church, moving from being an infant church to maybe a toddler church, it's good for us to be reminded. Paul said several times in his writings, it's no trouble for me to write these things to you again. And you know what? We need it. We need it. There's a whole group of us who weren't there on those Sunday nights in the school 
to really hash through what is our purpose. And is it just our purpose? Is it the church's purpose? Is it universal? Or is it just, uh, what, what is it? What's included? What's not included? We came up with, we came up with several questions or criteria that uh, we were going to determine our purpose by. And that's really what I want us to focus this morning as our introduction, because if you're going to if you're going to understand what our purpose is, you've got to understand how we came about our purpose, because I think I think the, the criteria might be important, might be just as important to you understanding the purpose as the purpose itself. Um, here's why this makes sense to me, guys. Um, in life, we are easily overwhelmed by everything that we have to do. Right. I mean, especially living in Metro Atlanta, even up here in you know Jackson County, stick country, uh, you are easily overwhelmed, especially if you have children, with everything that demands your attention. And it occurred to me last night that you know when my life gets like that, when your life gets like that, I think one of the things that that I uh, have sort of trained myself to do, I don't know where I learned it, <laughs> somewhere I'm sure in my education process, somebody said. When things just start to pile up, you got to sit down and you got to you got to make a list. You got to make a list and prioritize that list. Come up with the things that you have to get done today and do those first. In the church, I think it's a little bit of the same. Sometimes as a body, as a congregation, as the church universal, we get overwhelmed by all the things that need to be done, should be done, could be done, might ought to be done. And sometimes uh, as leadership, we need to call the list. Sometimes as leadership, we need to we need to make a list and and prioritize, because just like at home, just like in my individual life, if, if we don't make that list, if we don't narrow the list, if we don't if we don't prioritize the list at some point, really, don't you realize isn't isn't it like this at home? Nothing ends up getting done. Just a whole lot of busyness, but nothing really gets done. Yeah. And it takes a little time to stop and quit doing things and to say, okay, what what has to be achieved here? But in the end, you end up getting more done. That's what this series is about. Let me give you the um, the seven criteria that we shaped our purpose around. Really just seven questions we asked ourselves. And uh, I think these are fairly obvious, but they're worth going through. Go ahead and put that slide up there, uh, Jason. Question is, when it comes to our purpose or our goal, you could say, what are we striving for? Uh, Question is, number one for us, and these are really in no particular order. Is it biblical? Was our first question. Is it biblical? I mean, we didn't want to have a purpose that had no authority behind it. We didn't want to have a purpose that was, uh, well, man-made. We didn't want to have a purpose that that we came up with. We didn't want to have a purpose that was born in the hearts of men, born in the hearts of humanity and not in the heart of God. We would certainly miss the boat if our purpose wasn't biblical. That just makes sense. Number two, is it complete? Is it complete? Here's what I mean by that. Is it lacking in any way for anyone? You know, if we have a purpose and it's missing some key component, well, well, then we miss the boat, right? 
So just a basic question of what is our goal? What is our purpose? What are we striving towards? If we're going to nail that down, if we're going to if we're going to prioritize that list, if we're going to call the list, one of the questions we have to ask is if it's going to make the list, it has to be has to be complete. Complete in the sense that it's not lacking, but complete also in the sense that it covers it covers everyone. I mean, is it is it a purpose that's just for me? Or is it a purpose that's for the entire church? Is it a purpose that reaches into your individual life? Is it a purpose that can infect your family's life and direction? And we thought it ought. We thought it ought ought to infect all those areas. So is it is it complete? Is it biblical? Is it complete? Number three. Is it timeless? Will it change under our feet was our concern. Is this purpose, is this thing, because I'll just tell you right here, okay, uh, in starting a church and, um, and, and going through the process that it takes to start a church from scratch, um, you invest, I'm not talking about money, although that is part of it, you invest a whole lot. And four years into this, you who have invested your lives here realize this is no easy task, getting a church off the ground. And so to ask people to to give themselves completely and and unholy to something God wants to do, um, it needed to be in our in our understanding. It needed to be timeless, meaning it didn't need to be something that in six months we said, man, uh, that doesn't work for us anymore. In two years, that that doesn't it doesn't fit right for us anymore. Four years down the road right now, it, it just doesn't work. We've got to come up with something new. As we looked at scripture, we were looking for those those things that needed to be on the list that were timeless, that were the same from 200 A.D. to 2000 A.D. They're, they're not going to change under the under the feet of the church. They would be our foundation that never shifted, that never that never wavered. That thing that we could go to day in and day out, no matter what extra stuff we might be doing, it would it would be our rock solid foundation. And in that way, it would be it would be our measuring tool. It would be that thing that that kept us on a path, a straight and narrow path. So was it biblical? Was it complete? Is it timeless? We didn't want we didn't want a purpose that was just a fad or 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 a whim. Number four, is it universal? And by universal, I mean this. Is it unique to Cornerstone or does it cover the church? Universal, the church from age to age, the church, no matter what continent you're on. Could it be applied to the church universal? You know, there are there are ways and there is some sense that a church is unique and it accomplishes things in its in its current place and location and with its makeup, with its body, with its giftedness. It is it is unique like that. So there, there are ways that God uses us differently than, than any other church. But as far as that thing that was going to be our bedrock, our foundation, that thing that we march forward on and that we always rely on, the thing that we, that we measure everything by, well, it had to be something that we said, the church from beginning to end may call it something different, but can always go to it and rely upon. So is our purpose Universal. Can it be applied to any church anywhere? No matter no matter what cute words, no matter how how they phrase it, no matter how they package it. 
this purpose could be true of any local church. It was universal. Number five, is it overruling? Is it overruling? By overruling, uh, we intended to say, is it is it supremely important? Again, if we're going to give our lives to something in the kingdom. Well, we want to give our lives to that which is supremely important. There are there are many things to give your life to. Uh, there are many reasons to um, be involved in a purpose. When it comes to God's purposes, we ask the question, is it is it supremely important? What makes the list has to be the most important. You see, we didn't want to come up with a purpose statement that that later on down the road, we said, you know what? There actually are there are some more important things that should be ahead of our purposes and that take precedence over what we've already said. We didn't want to find ourselves a few years down the road saying that there is something more important to be about. Number six, and this is related. I think it's slightly different. However, is it necessary? Is it necessary? Question we've used to uh, guide ministry here since the very beginning. Is the thing optional? Or is it necessary? Uh, we've said this before. There are many things that a church can do. There are many things that a church can busy themselves doing. Very, very worthy and good things. And we could come up with a with a long list of things that our church could be involved in, might ought at some point to be involved in, should be involved in. The question here, though, is, is it is it necessary in the strictest sense of the word? Is it required? Is it absolutely necessary? We wanted the necessary things to make the top of the list. If it's optional. Well, then it's optional. We weren't going to make the optional necessary. Those things that we can do. Well, we said we can do them. But there are some things that a church simply must do. There are some things that a church has to do. There are some things that a church must recognize as priority one. Finally, uh, and this is probably the most practical but I thought it was needed. Is it whatever we come up with is this list of priorities, of purpose, this goal for our church, this thing we're striving towards? Is it attainable? The phrase I, I like to think of is, can I can I buy into that? Is it is it something I can honestly commit to? Now, now let me say this. Uh, the reason I think this is important as a tool of measurement when it comes to discovering the purpose of the church is because I, I don't think God calls us to do something that that would be impossible or unattainable. I think in his in his strength and in his power, with his help, with him as the center and the focus. Our purpose ought to be something that those who are committed to him, who understand who they're in the boat with Matthew eight, they would understand that the. The goal, the purpose, that thing we're striving towards as a church is is completely attainable. With the God of the wind and the waves.
It's completely attainable. So where did we end up? Where did we end up? The result was uh, a three, a three relational area purpose. Uh, based on, on those criteria and probably some more, those were the main, we ended up with uh, three relational areas that we said uh, our church, and again, not only our church, but we think the church universal ought to be about these three things. Now, again, based on the criteria, it's not just for the church to be about these three things. If it's complete, it means that it's for you to be about individually, for your family to be about And for our church then to be about as we link arms and as we move forward as individual disciples, as a gathering of disciples, trying to impact our community and our world together. So we came up with three relational areas. Here they are. And and these aren't um, these aren't these aren't any anything that, uh, again, are unique to us. Uh, We say it differently than maybe any other church. Uh, We've come up with a way for us to easily remember it. And here it is. Number one, we follow the Lord. Number two, we feed sheep. And number three, we are to be about the business of freeing the world. Now, again, if our criteria are accurate, that is not just the purpose for our church. That is the purpose of the church universal based on the fact that it is biblical. It is timeless. It is complete, et cetera, et cetera. So any church ought be able to look at scripture and find that their purpose, however they spell it out, fits somehow into these categories that These are non-negotiables that God has called us individually as disciples to be about these three relationships. So the first question for you is, is your life, is your life, and to what extent perhaps is your life focused in these three areas? Or do you find your purpose for your life or the purpose for your family? And therefore, we're going to ask later for the purpose for our corporate, for our church body. Is it found in something else? Is it based on something else? Or do you live, breathe and move in these circles for the sake of Christ? Put the little, uh, Jason, put the little diagram up there. Uh, This is just an easy way to uh, maybe spell it out. It's pretty simple. You see at the top there, those are our those are our three areas of relationship. We have a relationship with Christ. That's the circle on the left. That circle represents you as an individual. That circle also represents us as a church. You notice that the arrows go both ways, meaning that you have a relationship to Christ. Christ has a relationship to you. You reach out to him. He reaches to you. Our first priority. Our first priority is Christ. The way we say it is that we want to be followers of the Lord. Christ is our first priority. Our second priority looks like diagram image number two there in the center. It's the circle. That's us. Or that is the church corporately. Okay. Relating to each other. We have a biblical mandate and responsibility. To be feeding each other is how we say it, but to be relating to each other, holding each other accountable, challenging each other, caring for each other. That that is our that is our priority. I like the way we put it here that Christ is our first relationship. One another in Christ is our second area of relationship. Now, again, you should be asking yourself individually, is this what my life is about? 
If this is biblical, if it is universal, if it is complete in the sense that it covers you as an individual, your family, whatever your family looks like right now, all the way to your corporate family, the church, you should be asking yourself, does my life look anything like this? I mean, is priority number one in my life Christ? Is he my primary affection, my primary desire, the treasure of all of my life? Or is it something else that we need to figure out a picture for over here? I mean, is this a testimony of your life or is this something else? Uh, I've got to ask myself that question. I've got to ask myself that question as a as the leader of my home. Is priority number one priority number one? Is that a reality in my home? Are there ways that Christ as the center, that he takes precedence in my home? Are are there ways that that is evidenced in, in in the life of my family? Is priority number two, priority number two, is, is, there a, is there an affection for you for the body of Christ? Is there an affection in you for the body of Christ? I mean, they are those who Christ has died for. They were, they were important to him. His, his bride, we just went through this in the last series, his, his bride Is of utmost affection to the Christ who died. Is that a priority for you? Number three, the world Christ died to save. That's our third relational area. It is not the least, but it is third on the priority list. Let me say that again. It is not in any way the least in the sense that it is... um, At the bottom of the list. It's not what we mean to indicate here. But it does come in an order. First, let me explain what we mean by this. If that's you, if that's the circle, if that's us as a church, the circle is us as a church, then we have a responsibility to those who are outside the body of Christ. You say, well, it makes sense that I have I have a priority responsibility to Christ. It makes sense that I have a priority responsibility to to those who are in Christ with me. And I think it makes sense, and I think we know, <laughs> I think we know it to be true, that we have a responsibility and an honor and a duty as we live out the rest of our days here on this earth to have a relationship with those who are outside of the body of Christ, those for who He died for. Now, How seriously we take that third responsibility, well, that's a question only you can answer individually. Now, we're going to go through each of these in the next coming weeks. We're going to talk about what it means to follow the Lord. We're going to look at some passages of those who have followed the Lord, the implications of following the Lord, uh, how near we ought to be to the one we're following, etc. We're going to spend some time there. We're going to spend some time talking about what it means to feed sheep, what it means to have an affection for the bride of Christ. And we're going to talk about what it means to free the world, what your responsibility is, what your family's responsibility is, what our corporate responsibility is to those who are lost and dying without grace in our world. And we're going to look at scripture in each one of these cases. Let me say this. I've alluded to this, but these are in order. There, there is a system 
here. There is a process here. I said this at the beginning, and um, this is where I'll end up this morning. Uh, we, we focused this morning as we were worshiping. Again, I, I, hope, you, I hope you caught the, the spirit of the, of the moment. That as we were in awe of our God, as we were in awe of our God, uh, it became absolutely clear to me, and, and I tried to express this in my prayer, that in light of who God is, in light of his grandeur, in light of his holiness, in light of how awesome he is, right? As we catch a glimpse of who he is, my prayer was, God, we'll do whatever. We'll do whatever you ask. We'll do whatever you ask. Uh, over the last four years, the main emphasis of our corporate gatherings has been priority number one. Here's why, and we'll talk more about this as the series goes on. The reason is that as your relationship as a follower of Christ grows, as you near Christ, as Christ reveals himself to you, as Christ moves in that relationship that you have with him, as he grows that relationship, as you commit to him and as he develops you, as you see clearer and clearer how awesome he truly is, You'll be shaped like everyone in Scripture was who saw God clearly. You'll be shaped and you'll be transformed. And guess what? You'll become one who loves the body of Christ. And you can't do without the body of Christ. Your heart will be drawn to those things that God's heart is drawn to. Namely, his bride in this case. So to be separate from those things that God loves will be will be uncharacteristic of the one who's following near to Christ. Priority number three, your relationship, corporately our relationship to those who are lost and dying without Christ. The closer you get to Christ, the more God will prick your heart, the more you'll begin to understand that his great love was extended not just to you, but it's extended to all those who would come. While the floodwaters of judgment are being held back, we ought to be those who are, who are waving the world across. Come on. There's not much time. There's not much time. Our God is a gracious God. Our God is a holy and, and wonderfully benevolent God. He's a patient and long-suffering God, not, not willing that any should perish, but that all might come to him. When you, start to, when you start to priority number one, when you start to learn about that God, guess what? Your affection not just for those who are in Christ grows, but your affection for those who, who are missing the boat grows. All right, so here's the bottom line. This is, this is tremendously simplistic and easy to say uh, and uh, seemingly trite, perhaps. But listen, if you can commit yourself to these three areas as an individual, if you can commit to your family to these three relational areas and in this order, and if as a church we can find everything we doing, everything we do based on these three relational areas. God can do some amazing things. From your home to this church home. And it all it all starts back where we had our focus this morning, where we attempt to have our focus every Sunday morning. Look at our look at our God. Look at our God. As we were singing, I just wanted I just wanted to. I just wanted to stand up and say, folks, 
do you see how good our God is? And I could hear, I could hear the love and the joy coming out of you, many of you. But the truth is, there are some of us who, who, who aren't seeing that God. And you know what? I can preach all day long on priority number two and priority number three. But until you fall in love with God, until you fall in love with the one who died on the cross based on his love for you. You know what? I'm just going to be calling you to tasks and duties over here in priority two and three. So what do we want here? What do we give the majority of our time to? We give the majority of our time to telling you who your God is. Look at the Christ. Look at God in flesh on the cross. Giving all for you. How could you give anything less than all for him? Hey, if we can, if we can all get there individually, if we can get to the point this morning that I sensed we were at in worship, that God, you could do whatever. If that's the God we have, he can have his way completely. Hey, if we can individually and corporately get to that point, will it be, will it be a tough sermon to preach? Folks, we have a responsibility for each other. No, it won't. What God loves, I love. Folks, we have a responsibility for those who, who the 85% of the, the world we live in, just here in our community, who do not know, who do not know the love of our God. Will that be a tough sell to get you sharing with those who are dying? No, that will not be a tough sell. I think, I think you'll be prompted as I was driving home from my life group after talking about the things of God with men who are chasing after God. I think you'll be prompted as I was to love God more, to love his body more. And to be looking for opportunities to expand the kingdom and those who are who are without hope right now. That's our purpose. That's it. Follow the Lord. Feed sheep. Free the world. Some of you have taken uh, when you joined this church, you took a little survey. One to ten. We asked you, how do you think you're doing? Somewhat subjective, but that's okay. How do you think you're doing? Scale one to ten. Following the Lord. How, how are you doing in your affection for Christ, your primary affection for Christ. Area number two, how are you doing? One to ten. Where do you rank yourself in relation to your affection for those who are in Christ? One to ten. You know, uh, the top number is telling. The top number is telling. Ray Ortland, a guy who wrote um, a guy who wrote a book that's really the standard on this. It's called the Three Priorities of Strong Local Church. He said this, and it uh, it stuck with me ever since I read it. He said the great danger of most churches is not that they don't do anything; they do plenty. <laughs> uh, they do plenty. It's that they don't do the right things. Um, we could do a whole lot. There's some things we have to do. There's some things that we have to put at the top of the list. Next few weeks, we're going to be talking about each one of these, spelling them out, 
seeing what they mean in your life and for the life of this church. Why don't you pray with me? As we close, I want to read to you from John 17. It's Jesus' prayer, not mine. Jesus spoke these things, lifting up his eyes to heaven, and he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you. Even as you gave him authority over all flesh, that to all whom you have given him, he may give eternal life. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work which you have given to me to do. Now, Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. I have manifested your name to the men whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours and you gave them to me and they have kept your word. Now they have come to know that everything you have given me is from you. For the words which you gave me, I have given to them. And they received them and truly understood that I came forth from you. And they believed that you sent me. I ask on their behalf. I do not ask on behalf of the world. But on those whom you have given me, for they are yours. And all things that are mine are yours, and yours are mine. And I have been glorified in them. I am no longer in the world, and yet they themselves are in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father. Keep them in your name, the name which you have given me that they may be one even as we are. While I was with them, I was keeping them in your name, which you gave to me. And I guarded them, and not one of them perished, but the son of perdition, so that the scripture would be fulfilled. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, so that they may have my joy made full in them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but to them would you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. For their sakes I sanctify myself, that they themselves also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those also who believe in me through their word. That they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe you sent me. Father, our goal is to echo the prayer of Jesus. That as he, number one, prayed that your glory would be foremost Father, make that our heart's desire to glorify you. Make our prayer for the body of Christ echo that of Christ himself. That those of us who are in this world. Like Christ will be hated. Would you sanctify this body in truth? Your word is truth. Lord, we pray for this body. We pray for your bride. And Lord, we pray for the world. We pray for those who would 
who would hear. Those who have not yet heard. But those who would hear your word through us. May your glory come. May the church continue in your work. And may your grace be extended. Give us individually a renewed passion and heart and desire for these things. For they are why Christ came, why he died. Lord, corporately give us a renewed heart and a vision and a passion for these things. May they direct the future of this body. That we would be about your purpose. In Jesus' name, who is our cornerstone, we pray. Amen. Amen.